So Adam, I'm really excited to be talking to you because I've followed you for a long, long time. So it's great to finally be having this conversation. And I guess I wanted to open with a question to you, which how did you know that your life had a bigger purpose than being a police officer? I think that, well, I don't know that it can get any bigger than being a police officer. Um, but I think that any time that there's a presence of pain, it is a good reminder that we can either use that pain uh, as an excuse to wallow in misery, or we can use it for a greater purpose. And I think a lot of times we, we see the presence of tremendous pain in our lives and we can't see the purpose that maybe exists. And so we can use it for good to help others, or we can stay stuck in it. And so I don't know that there's a greater purpose. I mean, in, in, you know, I know that there is, but uh, for what I do, I don't think what I do is greater uh, than, than putting on a uniform every day and serving my community as a law enforcement officer. But I wanted to do something that had a an impact in ways that I don't believe I could have had I stayed on the job. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it was probably uh, the day that I sat in a patrol car with my weapon drawn to end my life. And the encounter I had with a peace and a love that overcame me that changed everything for me. And I felt like, man, I, if I could take this to everybody I know, this is a game changer, you know? And so, I, you know, it's, it's hard to say. I think when we have a different perspective of pain, it kind of changes things. And, and on that day, then, and I've heard your story before, many of my listeners might not have heard your story, but yeah. when you're sat in your patrol car and you're thinking, you know, this is it. I'm gonna end my own own life. What was that? What was that moment when the Lord intervened? Did the Lord say to you, "There's more still to your story, Adam"? Did He say, um, "There's more that uh, you need to accomplish in the world"? What, what was the communication to you? No, it was. Look, and I'll, I'll tell you straight up. I grew up going to church a lot. I jokingly say at my events, <laughs> I jokingly say I grew up going to church like 12 to 13 days a week because my mom remarried a, a preacher. And so it felt like we were there all the time. <laughs> and, and, you know, there's only so much that you can do with a message that is rooted in fear. Okay. If you do this, you're going to go to hell. If you don't do this, you're going to go to hell. And look, I, I know that hell exists. I know that that's an eternal separation from the presence of God, but it was his love that changed everything for me. It was his love that changed and continues to change me to this day. And so the day that I sat in the patrol car feeling completely, completely broken and lost, helpless, uh, tired of fighting, tired of living, tired of struggling, tired of hurting. In a moment, I pulled that weapon out and I paused, which I call that the miracle of the pause. And it's probably one of, it's not probably, it's one of the greatest miracles of my entire life is that little pause right there. And when I paused, I cried out to God, yelled at it, probably sounded very angry. And I said, I don't know if you can hear me. I don't know where you're at, but if you have a plan or if you have a purpose for me, if you got a reason for me to stay here, you can have my life. Otherwise I'm done. And in that moment, you know, and I've said this, I, I, I feel like that there's probably a physiological or psychological or even biological explanation for what happened in that moment. But I choose to believe it was an encounter with the perfect love of a living God and his peace overcame me. 
And I had a piece that came over me that I've never been able to explain. And I was telling you offline, I've tried since December, I think December of 2015, uh, late 2015, I've tried to put into words the piece that overcame me that day. I've written about six and a half, roughly six and a half, seven million words since then. And I don't believe in a thousand lifetimes I'll ever be able to adequately convey the peace that God gives. I don't think I'll ever adequately be able to convey his perfect love when we encounter his love. And so it was an, an audible message for me. It was an embrace of his love. It was an encounter with his peace. And it changes everything, brother. It changes everything. His love is a game changer. His peace is a game changer. You know, I, I don't have to go around and tell people, you know, this sin is going to send you to hell or this sin is going to send you to hell. I think innately as humans, we know what is sin and what is not. Even if we're not followers of Jesus, we know what is sin. And so we could get into debates all day about which sin is greater. But why don't we talk about his love? Because his love changes people. Now, his love, you may, and I had an encounter with his love that day, but I had to make some changes after that encounter. Like I had to make some behavior changes, right? It wasn't just an encounter with God and then everything's good. I had to stop doing some things. And when you have a proper perspective of his love, even if you are hopeless, even if you are hurting, even if you feel destitute and lost or stuck, then it is his love that causes us to want to change our behavior. It's not doing it because we're trying to live up to a certain set of standards or rules. It is saying, wow, what you have done for me, I want to make changes that honor the love that you've shown me, you know? And so I don't, it wasn't necessarily an audible thing. Although I had this little still small voice a few times and one, uh, there was one night I was incredibly intoxicated and I remember hugging a toilet. I was so sick from drinking so much. And this still small voice said, there's nothing you can do to change my love for you. And that little voice has never led me wrong ever. Not one time. Now it may, me, may lead me into uncomfortable places, but it's never led me wrong. So uh, that day it was his love that changed everything. Powerful testimony, Adam. And, and you know, this is the audience is primarily people that work within safety and security. And yeah. I was thinking as you were talking about sort of, you know, love changes people. There's definitely conflict in churches. We know that people are coming up against challenges. Mm -hmm. And I think there's people within church security that might have wanted our career, both former law enforcement or been in the military, um, or just wanted to sort of be in a security world and maybe the, the Lord didn't lead them down that path, but in later life they've, they've got into church security. So I was thinking as you're talking about finding your purpose in the church, which I believe a lot of men and women do have in church security, that they've found their purpose, they've, they've realized that their gifts can help others. Uh, finding your purpose in the world, Adam, that, that's something I'd love to ask your perspective on. How, how, how do you find your purpose in, in the human world? We've got our spiritual world um, and we've got our love and belief in Jesus in God. But as, as a man, how do you find your, your purpose in the world? For me, it's an intersection of things that you're naturally passionate about and things that you're gifted with. And so I think we tend to overcomplicate it. And, and I'm going to take a little bit of creative freedom here for just a moment. 
and imagine we were sitting at a table across from God himself. And we were to sit there and say, I'm confused. I need clarity. What is my purpose in this world? We see it through human eyes. And we tie purpose to vocation or social status or status in any regard or relational status or finances. We, we tie purpose to those things and we associate purpose with those things. When in reality, purpose is love God, love your neighbor as yourself. And it's impossible to love your, to love your neighbor. And it's also impossible to love yourself until you've experienced the love of a living God. When you experience his love in a place of complete, sweet surrender, not surrender to defeat, because everything of his kingdom is different from this world. And so when we live in a place of surrender to him and we have an encounter with a love that changes us, we can properly love ourselves and then we can love our neighbor and then we can love him back. And so it's a reflection of love. That is what our purpose is, is to reflect his love. Now, what vehicle we use to, to complete that, I believe that we were sitting at that table with God himself. I don't think it would really matter. I think that he would probably help reveal the gifts that he's planted in us, the passions he's planted in us, because we all have different gifts and different passions. And so if we were to take those things and, and use them to carry out the love God, love others as yourself mission, it, it all revolves around that. But I think we also have to go back and look at how Jesus did it. Um, he began locally and then he went regionally, and then he went around the world. You know, uh, we have to begin first with our purpose at home, actually here within us, and then within our home, and then within our community, and then to whosoever will. And so I think the, the biggest mistake we make when it comes to our purpose in this world is trying to define it in carnal nature or in worldly terms instead of kingdom terms. And so your kingdom purpose will lead you into a place where you can find provision in this world so you can carry out your kingdom mission. So uh, I know that's not a direct answer, but I believe it's a, it's an intersection of your natural gifts and passions. Yeah. Well, no, and it is a good answer. And because it leads me into me being a bit, one of your super fans. So I've got some of your books in front of me here. If you watch it on the YouTube, you see, so I want to show we've got the bulletproof marriage, your yes, devotional, the on spiritual combat with Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. I've got your behind the badge that I picked up recently. And then we're going to talk in a few moments about your new book, Unconquered. And already I've got my little notes in there. My highlighter pen's been out. So it was funny. So I was thinking about what can I talk to Adam about today that my church security listeners will take away from here and, Everything that I've seen about you, Adam, is is service. Um, me and my wife definitely need to get into the bulletproof marriage. There's so much st stuff in there. But I look at your books, and and it's all about service. So I guess, um, how did you? Where did your passion come from to serve? Is that something that you had before that sort of born again moment when you might have been committing suicide, or have you always been that way? Maybe we'll start with that question first, and and I'll come yeah. on the second one. I think we're, we're created to serve. And I think a lot of times unaddressed pain can cause us to behave or think and speak in ways that aren't properly reflective of our healer. And so when we live in a place of, 
of perpetual torment because of pain that's been unaddressed, we live in a place that is selfish and we long to be served. You know, there's a scripture that says, as a, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, but when I became a man, I put away my childish ways. And I think our childish ways are selfish. A child has to be fed. A child demands to be fed. A child demands to be taken care of. But a man, one who has matured, especially through pain, understands that passion to serve others is an adequate and proper reflection of the love of Jesus because Jesus came to give us life. He came to serve humanity with his life and with what he came to do. And he, he laid down his life for us. I don't know that I've always been, you know, focused on service. It's just trying to follow what he lead me to do. And if that is what people see it as is a heart for service, then may they see the heart of Jesus through me, even through my flaws and my wretchedness because I am an utter wretch in dire need of a savior every moment, every day. And my heart's desire is through whatever gifts that I've been given, however imperfect they may be, to lead others to a place where they encounter his life-changing love, destiny-changing love, purpose-giving love, because it changes everything. And we overcomplicate it. We overthink it. And I know because I'm an overthinker, a recovering overthinker. So service is about honoring him. And because that's love is an action, right? We've heard that. I think it's probably may come across as cliche, but love is an action. And what would love do? What would love look like if it were selfish? It wouldn't exist. And so I, I, you know, I've not been perfect at this. I've missed the mark. I've fallen. I failed more times than I can count. But if my act of giving through a gift or speaking or teaching or mentoring or whatever is is a good service to humanity, especially law enforcement, then all glory be to my God in heaven. Yeah. And I did have a second question, but you answered it for me when you said to lead others to, towards the kingdom. So my second question is gone. So I want to dive in now to um, Unconquered, which is your latest book. And there's some big claims in here. Adam, from some very respected people, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman says, this is your best book that you've ever written. I was thinking, wow, that's, you know, you, you've authored four, five, six books. I was like, there's some big claims in here. And it's, um, if you haven't yet picked up a copy, I'm going to drop a link in the show notes. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll be seeing the book. If you listen to the audio, um, just go down to the show notes and I have a link for you to buy Adam's book. But it's about, it says, face your pain and live unconquered. And, I'm only a little bit into Adam, I've got to admit, but I, what I'm loving about it is true that we all live our life unconquered. I think life is there to be conquered, um, right? What was your biggest, what was your biggest takeaway from doing research and putting that book together? Well, I know for a fact a few things. I know that I'm not the only one to ever deal with the type of pain that I talk about openly in this book, openly. Uh, it, and it may make you feel uncomfortable, but I talk about things. When, and actually, when I was shopping this book to different publishers, one publisher said, your story just isn't unique. And, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, that's the whole point. Is this not unique, yet not everybody's talking about this stuff and we need to lay it on the table, yeah. right? And so 
I, I know for a fact that I'm not the only one that's dealt with this stuff. So letting other people know they're not alone is important. Number two, I know what it's like to check all the boxes of a person who follows Jesus, read the Bible, listen to Christian music, go to church, be a part of church events, do these things. And still inside you feel defeated. Still inside you have doubts, you have questions still inside you wrestle with things. And thirdly, I know that I there's not a person breathing that wants to be conquered by the things of this world. There's not a person breathing who says, I love Jesus and I want to be conquered by my flesh. I want to be conquered by the things of this world. Yet we struggle daily with these things. So the, the greatest thing that we could do is expose the lies of darkness to the truth of God's word. And his word also says that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And when we share our testimony, it plants a little light in someone else that may be very, very dim because of pain. And so when I wrote Unconquered, it became a declaration, a battle cry for a lot of people that said, you know what, for 35 years, for 45 years, for 50 years, all my life, I've let things that have happened to me control me and steer me, but no more. And so it's through a relationship with Jesus that we can say, I will live unconquered. I will be victorious. I will be, uh, I will not be conquered by the things of this world. And so we live in through Christ, we live unconquered. And because of him, when, when we take our last breath in this life, we live eternally unconquered. And so it's in this life and in the life to come. And yeah. so it's, and, it's and, and the thing about it is it points people to him. It points people directly to Jesus. There is no victory aside from him. Uh, but it's also packaged in a way that's appealing to a secular audience. But at the end of the day, there's no victory without Jesus. And I think we both know that. Yeah. And it reminds me of when I, as I look at my vision board this year, it's behind the, the camera so people can't see it. One of them is to write my sort of personal testimony and my story in there. And uh, I think I woke up one day with this great revelation, but then I realized I'd stolen from Les Brown. But my, my, <laughs> my book, the goal of my book is to be called It's Not Over Until I Win. And oh, when I good. look at my story, very, very similar to you. Yeah, don't steal it before I do. Don't, don't rewrite it. <laughs> but but it, um, it reminded me that not only it's not even until I win because, you know, I don't think you've ever won. You're always trying to be, to be better. But when I look at my faith journey and I look at the adversity, God has always been there um, stepping alongside of me. So I think it was a fitting title for my book to be called It's Not Over Until I Win. And I, I, I get that from what you're saying, Adam, about being spiritually fed, um, still having doubts, still having questions, because I think you can be the strongest believer, but we still – we still have those moments of doubt. We still have those oh, questions. Yeah. I'm really excited to, to dive into a bit more. Yeah, I mean, and look, that's the thing is, you know, the the months leading up to the moment in, in my patrol car that day, I had gone through a period where, and this sounds terrible, it is terrible, where I was interrogating God, not based on his existence, but on goodness and love. Because, you know, here, here's the thing. All we have to do is look for his goodness and love. And when we look for it, we'll see it. But oftentimes, 
pain or trauma or adversity or circumstances blind us to seeing his goodness and love. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants you to be blind to the love and goodness of God in this life. And so we have to get to a place to where we're willing to look for his goodness, to see it. And we see it in everything. When your eyes are open to it, you see his goodness and love in everything, no matter how bad your circumstances are. You see his goodness and love in everything. Yeah. And you know, I'm writing those down as we're talking because many church safety and security leaders, they have struggles. Like I mentioned earlier, there, there is conflict, there's adversity. Things don't go their yeah. way. They could be a volunteer trying to, trying to influence. Uh, they could be a facilities or operations leader trying to influence and feel like no one's no one's left listening. So I feel like your book is a great way to, to help them through that, Adam. So I know as we start to wrap up our time together, I know there's various different things that you do that the, the Lord has given you gifts and skills, but I know, um, tell us a bit about the Unconquered because you're turning this into a program, right? Where you can help people. So tell us about that. Yeah, I've got a lot of virtual training uh, that I do because I can't be everywhere. Uh, I don't want to be everywhere. Uh, so what I've done is I've created online training I've got, of course, Bulletproof Marriage uh, as an online course, uh, online study. And then I've just launched the Live Unconquered membership where you can go through my, you know, essentially 16 weeks if you if you paste it that way. Each week has a 30-minute video, and then there's other instruction in there. And then through the membership, you'll get a, a new video from my vault that'll be released once a month, along with a live video training that I'll do once a month. And then on your one year anniversary, you get a live unconquered shirt. And I just dropped the new design for that shirt today. And on the back is, it's absolutely incredible. Looks wonderful, but it's, it's all about look. And, and this really was born out of behind the badge. I learned that people read behind the badge every day for several years. And then they were like, well, what's next? And I think a lot of times we have these wonderful sermons we have these wonderful experiences. We have great books, but there's nothing afterwards. And so I wanted to create an experience where people can jump in of any walk of life, really, not just law enforcement, but any walk of life and come in and and they grow deeper in their faith. They grow deeper in their relationship with God. They uh, develop healthy and strong spiritual disciplines. They have a shift of their mindset from from feeling defeated to victorious and just just learn some deeper skill sets that'll help them live, literally live unconquered. That's the whole purpose, right? And so, but it also creates a community uh, that people can be a part of because a lot of times I think what social media has done is give us this fake sense of connection that really 99% of the people you're connected to on social media are not going to show up if your house burns to the ground. They're not going to bring you food if you're hungry. They're not going to show up to your funeral when you die. And so we need to reestablish authentic connection. So that's one of the other things is using this membership as a means to launching unconquered units across the country where small groups of eight to 10, maybe 12 people gather in person and they start these groups all across the country so we can reestablish authentic connection among sheepdogs. Yeah. And Adam, remind me, how many books have you written? I know you posted the other day about your first book and you said, don't buy it because I've been reading an author since then. But how many books have you written? Uh, Unconquered was my ninth book. Your ninth and, book, right, sir. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think there's like, as of, that's what I was looking at here, as of last January or as, as of last June 30th, 
it was around 170,000 book sales since May of 18, 2018. Wow. And wow. I'm in talks with two different major publishers right now for my 10th book, possibly my 10th, 11th and 12th book. We'll see how it goes, but it's going to be, and this, this next one will be very, very unique. I think it will be something that's, it's certainly edifying spiritually, but will be, I don't I don't want to use the word entertaining, uh, but it will have an appeal to a, a larger group. So wow. if you love law enforcement or if you are law enforcement or if you're a sheepdog of, of, of any walk, then stay tuned. I think you'll enjoy it. But that probably won't be until yeah. later next year when that releases. Well, I've personally got four of your books. I think <laughs> two of them. To it sounds like I've got five more to go. So we're gonna have to add. No, no, you you're good. I mean, there's there's behind the lines. You don't have behind the lines. That's a daily devotion no, for military. Not, yeah. I co-authored that with uh, Chad Robichaux, for a former Force Recon Marine and founder of Mighty Oak. And then uh, he and I also co-authored Fight for Us. And that's his that's his story. It's a great story. Uh, and then there's prayers and promises for first responders. And those are the only books you need to know about. Don't go digging for the other two. That's those are my <laughs> early days. And so uh, I don't even think they're available anymore. But yeah, those I appreciate your support. I mean, you're, you're a blessing, brother. And and for for having me on your podcast, for sharing about my book, uh, it means the world to me. And I'm very grateful for it. Thank you. Well, no, Adam, it's been um, really nice to get to know you. And I'm looking forward to when we're together again. So thank you for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So I feel like I first came across Adam Davis probably four or five years ago and followed him from afar. I've been a big fan and met him late last year for the first time and heard his testimony. And he is he's an incredible man and bless that he's becoming a friend. So if you haven't heard of his stuff, I'm going to drop the links below. Incredible testimony. He's written some great books. So I really encourage you to go out and seek some more. Some of the things that he talked about were needing to be spiritually fed. We still have questions. We still have doubts. As a safety and security leader, I'm sure that's you. For for me, as a grown man of 45 years old, I still have doubts in my life. And Adam's material is going to help you walk through that. So please consider picking up one of his books. Go and check out his new course. Um, and I know you're going to be blessed through his testimony and through the words of wisdom that he's going to give you. But for now, as always, you stay safe. You have a blessed day. Until next time, take care, everybody.